With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, what's going on, Giants fans? Welcome to the latest episode of our Talk is Cheap podcast. Daryl Slater here with Bob Rookover from NJ Advanced Media, the Star Ledger, and NJ.com. It is uh, Tuesday evening right now, and um, well, we were going to record this earlier. There was some internet stuff going on with Xfinity. Uh, anyway, but uh, probably best that we're doing it now. We have a whole Tuesday of, I guess, some news to wrap up here as the Giants try to get this thing on track. They're one and four. They've lost three straight games uh, and they've been just beaten badly in all of their losses. They've played nine bad halves of football out of 10 this year. Uh, It's pretty grim for this team right now. And they're heading to Buffalo, maybe without their starting quarterback on Sunday night. And the giants currently two touchdown underdogs in that game. So, yeah, I mean, a lot to unpack here coming out of the Miami game. We we haven't really – we haven't spoken to you guys since early last week with uh, before all the Evan Neal stuff. And so, Bob, uh, with all that said, what's going on with you? Oh, uh, yeah, Grim. You you mentioned the word Grim. That, I just finished doing my morning post for tomorrow, and uh, and Grim found its way in there, believe it or not. Uh, I, in the midst of looking things up, they, they're, they're – they're one and four, and they're about to be, and they've been uh, listed as a 14 and a half point underdog Sunday against Brian Dable's former team, the Buffalo Bills. Things are so bad, which it's hard to believe this, but like that storyline just kind of really doesn't even matter anymore. The Brian Dable's going back to Buffalo. I'm sure it'll get written, but it's just things are so bad. It's just, it's such an afterthought right now. Um, they've been outscored in their four losses by an average of 23 and a half points per game. So, so that 14 and a half point spread is pretty generous. <laughs> uh, you know, maybe it should be worse than that, but it's just as grim as grim can get right now. And then, you know, you, you factor in that we really don't know when Andrew Thomas is coming back and the, the domino effect of what that has done to this offensive line um, has, you know, just we, we see it week in and week out. Daniel Jones has been sacked 28 times. The team's allowed a league-high 30 sacks. Um, I mean, the, the the list of things we could say that are not complimentary about this football team, we, we don't – we don't we, we actually have all the time in the world, but we don't, so we'll stop there. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, Brian Dable grew up in Buffalo. He coached uh, for the Bills, their OC, before – the the Giants hired him, and now he going back there for, um, his I guess twenty fifth game. So the seven, do the math. I'm like, yeah, uh, yeah. So counting the playoffs, so his twenty fifth game as the Giants head coach, uh, and he is now um eleven twelve and one uh as the Giants head coach, and you just minus out one from each of those for what he's in the regular season. You know, this team has really uh, struggled uh, since going back to really the 7-2 and two start last year. They stumbled, they get into the playoffs, they rally. It's kind of the reverse here. They had a lot of wiggle room last year. Right now they have no wiggle room. It's all gone. I mean, I know they've talked in that locker room about how the Chiefs and when Raheem Nunez Roches was on that team made the playoffs or whatever. It was 2015, they started 1-5. and five. They won 10 straight games and made the playoffs. That's not happening. That doesn't that doesn't happen. Okay. So like that's that's like just not something that happens. So at one and four, the the playoff hopes look look very dire. Uh they've played four good teams. They've lost all of them. 
Um, this team has not yet shown it can beat a quality opponent. That's the bottom line. And that was the case largely last year. I mean, they did get lucky at times and they, they didn't be, I think they had three wins over teams with winning records. Um, so, but, but that Vikings playoff win in Minnesota just feels so long ago. And, um, you know, at this point, the Giants might be sellers at the trade deadline. We can get into that a little bit, but let's just start here, even though we've started already, with uh, the Daniel Jones situation. Obviously, he gets sacked. He has a neck injury. You know, he had the neck injury in 2021, missed the final six games. At first, you know, there were indications based on what he said after the game that it was a similar injury. Then today he went on Kay Adams' show and said it's not. I mean, honestly, it doesn't really matter. It's moot what it was back then. With He's dealing with a situation, whatever it is right now. So we know the x-rays came back negative, which is obviously when the x-rays are negative, that's a good thing. Uh, I, mean, I mean, obviously, if he had a broken neck, I think people wouldn't be like, oh, are you going to play Sunday? Dable wouldn't have come out and said he was optimistic if he had a, any kind of fracture in his neck, of course. So we don't really know yet about the MRI because he was not asked about it by Kay Adams today. Um, so, I mean, Brian Dable, I was surprised to hear him say he was optimistic about Jones for Sunday. Uh, to me, I don't know. I mean, it's just not really something you want to screw around with a neck injury. Yeah, I mean, obviously the MRI results, even though we don't know what they were, were encouraging because, you know, you you have Dable saying uh, he's optimistic, and then you also – Daniel Jones on the – the K Adams show also said that, you know, he's, his goal was to try to play on Sunday against the bills. So, I mean, obviously whatever is on that MRI was encouraging for them. And he said it's different than the injury he had in 2021 when he, when they missed the final six games and the giants lost all of them and averaged 9.3 points a game. Um, You know, so that that's good news. Uh, you know, relatively good news. Everything is relative. You know, any any kind of good news right now is relative for the Giants because everything else is so bad. Uh, the bad news is he's going to be playing behind that same or some semblance of that offensive line that has allowed him to be sacked twenty eight times. Um, you know, we, we talked about this a little bit earlier today. Is it worth the risk uh, of putting him out there against a team that, by the way, leads the NFL in sacks? Uh, um, you know, <laughs> you can easily make the argument that no, it's not. Um, uh, but somebody's got to play quarterback. Uh, Tyrod Taylor's the option. You know, we we saw when Tyrod Taylor went in the fourth quarter on Sunday, he was running he, maybe a little bit faster than Daniel Jones, but Daniel Jones runs pretty well himself. But he was running for his life just the way Daniel Jones was for much of the time he was in there. Um, you know, so it's just uh, you open with the word grim in there and grim is just the, the very much the right word to describe the New York Giants right now. I think, you know, we can just kind of keep some of the, you know, we'll talk big picture here because, I mean, everyone saw what happened in the Dolphins game. We don't need to go over it. I mean, Jason Pinnock made a nice play and pick six, but like, let's be honest, it's it's not. It's not meaningful, quite frankly, in any way in terms of. Oh, and, and, and to try to pass off that the defense had a good day because they got three takeaways after having zero in the first four games doesn't doesn't fly when you give up 524 yards, which I think you had looked up the most since 2015. Uh, yeah, 2015, right. So they're really a mess all over. But the one area that is on, on the spotlight right now, of course, is their offensive line. You said it, Daniel Jones sacked 28 times. In terms of the pressures, he's been pressured 91 times. He's been pressured on 46. That's his, these are PFF numbers, obviously not the sack one, but they're how PFF defines a pressure. 91 times, he's been under pressure on 46% of his dropbacks, and that's been a pretty consistent rate throughout the season. I mean, he's been pressured a lot in, in all these games at about that 45 to 47% clip, which is just untenable. You cannot win like that. I mean, the guy might not be a very good quarterback, but like even a very good quarterback is going to struggle when you when he's pressured that often. And you so, know what? And we don't want to get too much into this Dobbs game, but I thought he was playing fine on Sunday. Yeah. I think he was for his first seven. He was making good decisions. He was playing fine, and you know it just and untenable is the perfect word for it. You know he. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're Patrick Mahomes. I don't care if you're Joe Montana, you're Tom Brady. If you're dealing with that kind of pressure, you're not going to be effective. And, you know, David was asked several times, basically, 
can, can you, you know, even talk about how Daniel Jones played today, given how much pressure he was under? And he did. And he, he basically said, you know what? He made some good decisions. He made some good plays. So, yeah, um, they're not giving him a fair chance right now. And so obviously, so let's just like start with the line. Okay. And like everyone understands that when you lose your left tackle, especially one as good as Andrew Thomas, as great as Andrew Thomas, it's going to be a problem. Okay. So like, that's the situation the Giants are dealing with. Their special teams stink. The guy hurt his leg running down the field to chase a block punt because their special teams are a joke. And that happened in week one. He hasn't played since. Okay. So he, and he had a setback and he probably isn't playing this week. And this, there's no end in sight to this hamstring thing. And, and that's not Andrew Thomas's fault. None of that is. Um, so how in the world is your best option to replace this guy over the course of multiple games, a second year player in Josh Azudu who struggled at left guard last year and couldn't keep the job. who couldn't win the job in camp this year, essentially over Mark Lewinsky, a guy who they desperately do not want to play. Uh, and then they're going to decide that he is their best option at left tackle. What? Like, okay. So like, yeah. I mean, and it, it goes deeper than that too, because, you know the guy who was really supposed to be the the, the number one uh, backup at both tackles. I think is supposed to be Matt Parrott. Yeah. Um and um, you know they obviously thought more. You know, Parrot was actually the guy who went in when Andrew Thomas came out of that first game in the fourth quarter. He was the guy who went in for him, and then he got hurt. Uh, and somewhere, you know, he's healthy now, but somewhere in that time frame. You know, Josh Zudu played all right. I think he played like 12 snaps, maybe more. I forget exactly the exact number that he played against the Cowboys. Um, but that was enough to convince them that, all right, Josh Zudu should be the guy, not Matt Pert. Um, you know, and you know, it, it just seems like so random what they're what they're doing to make that decision, uh, you know, based on well uh, and based on the, the little sample sizes they they've had to, to, to make those kinds of decisions. Um, and then you add in the fact that at, at the end of the training camp, they cut Tyree Phillips who had filled in for Neil last year, Evan Neal for three or four games when he was hurt and did a pretty good job. Uh, you, you could even argue that he was doing a better job than Evan, Evan Neal. Um, and, you know, they just, just let him go. He's on the Eagles practice squad now. Uh, but they just decided, up oh, don't need him. Um, but they made that decision without having any real good solution to and, – and obviously it's bad luck to have Andrew Thomas go out in your first game of the season. But, you know, they didn't have any good solution for, for that happening. Here, here's what I will say. Uh, okay, so if you have a right tackle who you draft seventh overall – and that guy proves that he was worth the seventh overall pick, and he's 20 games into his career, you're probably moving him to left tackle and putting someone else, put, you're putting your lesser guy at right tackle, right? I mean, is that not logical? Like, right, you're going to protect your quarterback's blind side with your best tackle, right? But the problem is the guy they drafted seventh overall last year, Evan Neal, he looks like a bust. I mean, that's just the reality of it. Um, at this point, yeah. We'll, we can get into the numbers, but – um, the, the the solutions obviously Tyree Phillips. No one's saying he's going to be a savior at left tackle, and we all understand that when you have to go to your backup at left tackle, it's going to be a problem. Okay, so like, but they, they over the course of t- multiple regimes now, we can go back to Jerry Reese, but Dave Gettleman did a mostly poor job building this offensive line outside of the Andrew Thomas pick. Uh, and again, he picked a really good player fourth overall. Congratulations. Uh, and the problem is he failed as the Giants so often have at so many positions in the middle rounds of the draft. Parrot, a third round pick in 2020, the guy can't play. So uh, now Azudu, I think, look, I mean, could he be a, g- a good guard going forward? Uh, maybe, but he is not equipped to be their left tackle right now. And between Parrot not being good enough, between them deciding to move on from Tyree Phillips, this is where they're at with Azudu being the option there. And Azudu now... Uh, has six penalties this year. He had three on Sunday. Um, he had back-to-back false starts, which I don't even know how that's possible. He, he He's allowed five sacks this year, 11 pressures. Uh, that's not in addition to 11 pressures, including five sacks. Um, he had a 25-4 PFF pass block grade on Sunday, allowed the hit. 
the second Dale Jones, where he sustained the neck injury, and then look, no one is saying anyone here is a bad person. Like, let's we'll get to some of that in a minute about some of the things that have been said about some of these players. But like, this is a very earnest kid who wants to do well and work hard. He's being put in an unfair position uh, because of poor roster management over the course of a couple regimes. Okay, so Joe Shane has not made a bad offensive line really much better at all. Quite frankly, he has not. Uh, you know, Azudu, Glowinski, Neil, those are not good additions. McKeithen was a late round pick. Okay. But uh, you, can, you, can, you can throw this into the argument too. He made a decision to to draft John Michael Schmitz as his center and make him the center, which, and John Michael Schmitz could end up being a really good player. He, you know, hurt and didn't play last week because of shoulder injury. But, uh, you know, he, whatever he develops into, Right now, for this year, you could make the easy argument that the Giants would be better off with either Nick Gates, who is starting and playing pretty well for at center for the Commanders, or with John Feliciano, who's a backup in San Francisco. They were both playing better at this stage last season than John Michael Schmitz has played so far this season. It's not that John Michael Schmitz has been been horrible, but you make the case that those two guys right now are better than John Michael Schmitz, who's a rookie. For sure, and I think the Gates letting Gates go was a big one, right? Because Jalapi or uh, Feliciano, rather, getting my uh, John's John centers for the Giants confused. Um, Feliciano, you know, was their center last year. He could play guard, but Gates showed you last year he could play left guard. Um, he got good money from Washington, and they obviously wanted to give Azudu a chance to win that job. He didn't do it in the spring, which is why they're in the in the summer, which is why they went in with Bredesen at left and Golinski at right, and so. Um, yeah, they could use Gates right now in his versatility because especially with Schmidt's hurt, right? He could plug and play center, or you could look at a situation where Gates and Gates can even play a little tackle too. So, um, but again, no, no one's saying Nick Gates is a, is a hall of famer here, but you're talking about these little moves, these little, these decisions that snowball and at, at, over time in terms of the decisions that not, not just like the decisions they've made on the line, but the people they've decided to acquire and draft. So we don't need to necessarily go every position here. Like, look, and I was talking Zudu. Okay, so like, as I was saying, like he, I, we saw it. It was a really hard scene to watch last week in the Seattle game, and then it was the same exact thing this week. The the poor kid, openly weeping in the locker room after the game, and he two straight really bad games, and um, it's it's just hard to watch. Uh, it is, and he, you know, it, it's he obvious cares. he cares. He cares so much, and he and he works hard. And you know, you know, there's not supposed to be cheering in the press box, but I, I promise you that every writer that covers the New York Giants in that press box, if if Josh Azuda went out this week and gave up zero sacks and zero pressures, we would all be pleased and more than willing to go and happy to go talk to him and be happy for him. Uh, you and know, I will say this. This was one of the more standout moments I've seen in a really long time in a post-game losing locker room. He allowed a sack that at that point, as far as we knew, like who knows how long Daniel Jones is going to be all right. The kid had just played an absolutely horrendous game with the penalties, the sack allowed. He sat at his locker and answered every question. He was he was answering questions through tears. And he and as far as I know, you were over there. He didn't tell people to go away or stop, or he didn't want to keep doing. No, it. we we stopped he, because he he just emotionally couldn't couldn't talk about it anymore. He, you know, he, he emotionally and, couldn't talk about it anymore. And, and, he, and it was he was leaning on his faith. He, he basically said, "I thank God," and he couldn't he couldn't continue after that. I mean, it was just it it was heart wrenching. You know, I I've been covering sports for forty something years, and I'm not sure I've ever seen. A, a player's a professional athlete's emotions just overcome him as much as as much as I saw it. You know, I've seen guys get angry and and lash out at, at at writers. You know, which was not at all what was happening here. You know, this guy was just overcome with emotion because he was so disappointed in his own performance. And you know, and you factor in that he's. Who was put in a more difficult of, of all, all the injuries the Giants have, have had here? Uh, who was put in a more difficult situation than him? Nobody. <laughs> uh, and I, I will say, as people who know about this this young man, he he has a, a stutter, um, and he gives interviews fine, and he's willing to. But 
I, if anyone, you never know anyone who's had a situation like that. That's hard to, to, to speak publicly, to speak, you know, in front of a camera, to speak to reporters who are strangers and to do it in an emotionally tough situation like that. I think it, it, it shows a lot about his, his, his character. And uh, yeah, I mean, so the whole thing is just uh, a really tough situation for, for him and for the giants right now. And, and like, He's obviously really frustrated and in a headspace where that happens in back-to-back weeks in a, in the locker room. Uh, like, I mean, I guess you could just look at it through the lens of the performance. Like, what? what a, why is he? Why do they keep rolling him out there? And plus, he he's in he's in a frustrated headspace. Why do they keep rolling him out there? I mean, the, I guess the answer is that that he's their best option of not very it, many good options right now. It, and, it, it was interesting that after the, 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 I mean, it was in the middle of a series. And obviously Daniel Jones went on it, but he went out on the same play that Daniel Jones went out of. You know, he took they took him out immediately after that play, and Parrott finished the game. So I'm going to be surprised if if Matt Parrott isn't the starter on Sunday. I really will be. Yeah, I think that's fair, and so that presents some of its own problems. I mean, like I don't need to get into all. You guys watch Matt Parrott play, you know, like okay, so like you know what he did. Okay, for let's just say for for Sunday, okay, Matt Parrott was in the game. Another guy who was a really nice guy. No one, we're not talking about like whether these people are nice people or not. We're, I mean, that's part of this. I get right. So like it's part of the context. But Matt Parrott on Sunday played 19 pass blocking snaps. He allowed four pressures. So that just tells you all you need to know. I mean, the guy has has not been very good, um, and that's why they haven't put him on the field. And so uh, it's not – I mean, they have so many problems right now on their line because um, – and we're still on the left side here, but, like, obviously all the moving pieces they need to do with Bredesen moving to center with Schmitz hurt. Um, I mean, the Thomas injury is so bad and so disastrous. But are there things they could have done? Could could keeping Kyrie Phillips have been somewhat of a solution? Maybe, but but through all this conversation here, I think the biggest thing that Joe Shane has gotten wrong with rebuilding this line is he just the Evan Neal pick looks like a complete failure right now. And so no, Evan Neal would not. Yeah, maybe he'd be the left tackle, right? Okay, but maybe not. But like the fact that Andrew Thomas is not in there and Evan Neal is playing the way he's playing while Azudu is struggling too. It's just you cannot have your two tackles playing that poorly. You it just it's not it's not feasible. I mean, no, and- the, the video of the offensive line that has gone viral this week is the one I believe is in the first half. You know, they the the Giants had I believe five offensive linemen lined up against four, um, four rushing um, Dolphins players, and yeah. and Bredesen got beat inside, so that that created a problem up the middle, but then both Glowinski, not Glowinski, um, McKeithen and, um, and Evan Neal blocked inside and just allowed the outside rusher. Now I don't know, you know, I don't know what the scheme was. I don't know what they, you know, whether they're expecting a twist or some kind of, you know, some kind of stunt type move, but it was, it was just unbelievable to watch. It's like, they just gave the guy a free run and, you know, he, and you know the play that um, Daniel Jones gets hurt on guy has a free run because Josh Azudu doesn't get off the ball. And I, I wonder, I wonder if him not getting off the ball had something. You know, goes back and this is a different half, much later in the game. But you know, you, you have the two false starts, so now you're like consciously like can't false start again, can't false start again, and now you, you end up being late. Uh, movement, and you see so many guys in the NFL. You see it so often where you see that those edge edge tackles getting off the ball, and you say, "Didn't he left early?" And they don't call it. <laughs> so you see that all the time in this league. But uh, and, and to your point about that video, and Brian Baldinger um, was spotlighting that that very video, and he his quote because he does a lot of these video reviews on Twitter was that level of dysfunction is. And then he's kind of stopped. He said, you just can't operate like that. And that's very true. The Giants can't operate, but, that, but you know, they can't, there's no easy solutions here on this line. I mean, you kind of make your bed when you draft a guy seventh overall, and he has failed on the level that Evan Neal has failed on. I mean, he has now played in, uh, I, I believe it's 20 and make sure I get this right. It's um, he has played in 20, 
games, counting the playoffs. And he has allowed uh, in his, in his career, 78 pressures, 78 pressures. Uh, He allowed six in Miami. He has 26 for the year. The guy is allowing more than five pressures a game. Uh, He had a 29 pass blocking grade in Miami. um, And for the year, he's at 35. Last year, he was at 42. So, I mean, he changed his pass blocking stance, and he's and it's worse. Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, it, it, look, he tries. He, it's not an Eric Flowers thing where he's resistant to coaching. I mean, this is an earnest guy who takes it seriously. Uh, and I guess here's where we can kind of get into the interview uh, I did with him last week. And he's very frustrated, clearly. I mean, he even said that's why he made those comments, ripping the fans. Um and he's angry. He's angry. You know, he's an intense guy. And so he takes, he cares, he gives a crap, you know, so cl- clearly he gives a crap about how his play is being perceived and how he's playing. Um, and so it boiled over there. And, and, and I want to say here, like no one is saying he's a bad person. The Don LaGreca rant was just so beyond the pale and like, re- and just disgusting, quite frankly. And, but to be clear to anyone listening, like that attitude about whether a person is a good person or is a horrible person. Okay, like, first of all, number one, no one in our media room, like, passes judgment on these guys as as people and certainly doesn't do it based on a quote where he's just getting into it with fans. This guy, he didn't say anything racist or sexist or homophobic or anything like that. Like, the, the comments he made were obviously negative toward the fans, right? But like, come on, you can't that to, to say that was just awful. And it's just it's a dumb part of our profession that people can get away with saying that sort of irresponsible stuff um, anyway. But that that was the point I make. But like, I think obviously we critique these guys on how they play and, and he's not playing well right now. I mean, there's no hiding from that. He's no, he's been he's he's a, he's a good guy. He's a, he's a stand up guy and will stand there and, you know, talk to you and talk about his performance. Um, yeah, it's just. You know, I hate to go back to Philadelphia, but so much of my uh, career was spent in Philadelphia, and it's just such a contrast, the tackle positions. And what I've seen in these two years, uh, obviously Andrew Thomas, great, great left tackle. Uh, he's only been there a few years now. been there, what, this is his fourth year, fourth fourth season. But uh, I've watched, year. Eagles, watched the Eagles for years. I think they've had three offensive tackles since 2000 or yeah right around 2000 maybe 1999 they had trade they went from Trey Thomas to Jason Peters uh so we're talking about like 14 pro bowls to Jordan Mulata who's also one of the best in the, the league those they went to from those those have been their three tackles for for almost a quarter of a century and then you go to the right tackle and you went from John Runyon to Lane Johnson uh for two guys for a quarter century pretty much uh it's just it's amazing that they've been had, had that good a play, and then to watch by contrast what I've seen from the Giants at, at you know at right tackle, and now you know Andrew Thomas is was great last year and is a great tackle. So not you know that obviously doesn't fit in there, but it's just been from my eyes amazing. To, I, I've never seen an offensive line play this bad in my life. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, a lot of Giants fans have, <laughs> and they've seen it recently. And the reason is because this team has done such a pretty much awful job of drafting linemen. Like, all right, so go back to 2011. Jerry Reese was, was the GM, right? And if you, I'm just drawing this line as like, as we go through, like, why, you know, we understand um, that this line has been bad for a while. Okay, so you're talking about fourth round picks and up, four, three, two, one, those rounds, right? In 2011, they drafted James Brewer. These are like very forgettable names. 2012, Brandon Mosley. I'm not going to get into guys who are fifth, sixth, and seventh rounded because you don't necessarily expect that guy. Obviously, 2013, they take Justin Pugh, who was a productive player for them and is now back on their practice squad. Then Weston Richburg in 2014. Um, and then, of course, Flowers in, in 15 in the first round. And then... They don't then they don't draft another one into Will Hernandez, who did not work out in 2018 at guard in the second round of Dave Gettleman's special there. And then, um, of course, Andrew Thomas. And in that same year, though, they drafted Matt Parrott. Right. So like that, that pick has not worked out. Um, 
And then the, you know, we'll see the jury. The, the, so you can't even say the jury's out on Evan Neal and Azudu. I mean, the jury's out on Azudu. I think we've seen enough from Evan Neal at this point to cast serious doubts on whether he can thrive or let alone stick as a starter at this level. I mean, it's that bad. Uh, and then obviously the jury's still out on John Michael Schmitz. But you're talking about a long history of poor decision making on the offensive line, especially when it comes to building through the draft. Um, and it's, it's all catching up to them now. I mean, they, we all said before the year, like they, they have Andrew Thomas and a bunch of question marks in the offensive line. And now they have not only a bunch of question marks, but a bunch of like a complete disaster situation. Yeah. I mean, I, I've kind of wrote for tomorrow, you know, how, what can the, the dream of this being a playoff season is pretty much shot, but what can happen to salvage the season? And, you know, the number one thing that, has to happen between now and their their final game of the season in January against the Eagles is they have to have some semblance of an offensive line that you know they can come back with next year and say hey we're okay here um you know and and I, obviously that starts with Andrew Thomas coming back and being healthy Schmidt's coming back and making strides for the rest of the season uh you know, is, is, is the big question, and we go back to, is Evan Neal can he is he even salvageable at this point? Um, you know, I, I was talking about the Eagles, and this is this is there was a little stretch in there where they played a guy named Winston Justice, and he comes to mind because <laughs> I think he allowed four or five sacks in a game the year the Giants won the Super Bowl, and this was kind of the game where the Giants realized, hey, we got a we got a Super Bowl type defense. Uh, they played the Eagles. Um, and got a they sacked Donovan McNabb 12 times, and Jay and Winston Justice was at the heart of it all. But the Eagles did figure out a way to salvage him, they started giving him a lot of help the rest of the season. Uh, he, he was in there because somebody was hurt. Uh, I think it was Trey Thomas who was hurt at that point, and they, they did figure out he was a high pick too, he's a first round pick, um, uh, from USC, and they started helping him, and they figured out a way to make him. He wasn't a great left tackle, but he became a, a decent NFL tackle. Uh, let's see let's see how many years Winston Justice ended up ended up playing. Which you know, this is just maybe some hope going forward for Evan Neal. Justice ended up playing. He ended up playing eight seasons, um, seven seasons. Ended up playing seven seasons. Ended up starting starting twenty nine games in 09 and ten for the. For the Eagles, um, so he, he ended up being okay, salvageable a, a little bit. You know, they moved on as soon as they got as soon as they got Lane Johnson. He was he was done, uh, but th- that might be the best that the Giants can hope for right now. And Evan Neal, um, and that's so a bust. It, I mean, that's it, a bust. That, that's a bust. And you you, you pull the, but at least it's salvageable. They got twenty nine starts out of him in his third and fourth years. Uh, you know, Evan Neal is going to be going into his third and fourth years. I don't know if the Giants can get that out of him, and, and and what do you do? And then on top of that, you still got you you went into training camp not knowing what you wanted to do at guard, and we're still now five games in the season, and they still don't know what they want to do at guard. I mean, I I think they think maybe Ben Bradison can be part of this, maybe, uh, but um, but that's a big maybe. You know, I, I I'd argue that there'd be better with Gates than than Bredesen. There's so many things here that now like. There's a lot of implications here as these losses start to snowball. I mean, say the Giants go lose this Sunday's game, go one and five. That means they will have lost all five of the good teams they played in this first stretch of six games. Um, and they to even to even get to say uh eight wins, which should be eight and nine, uh, at that point they'd have to finish what, seven and, and four. I mean, that's who knows if they're even capable of that. At this point, it is really looking like, yeah. The schedule, the schedule looks a lot tougher than it, it it did. Even you know the Commanders are not a horrible team, although they played a horrible game last week against the Bears. Uh, the Jets are better than the Giants. And there's no doubt about that. Uh, the the Raiders on the road is no picnic. The Cowboys on the road don't win that, and the Commanders on the road probably don't win that. Eagles twice. I mean, it's just like it's just like Eagles twice, and then Saints. The Saints have one of the best defenses in the NFL. The Rams are better than we thought. You know, they do get to play the Patriots, and the Giants always beat the Patriots. That's that's just that's just <laughs> it. They always beat the Patriots. And maybe in the, the least important game they've ever played against the Patriots, maybe they can do it again. 
<laughs> yeah, and and like as these losses start to mount, then it becomes like next year is not going to be just a hot seat year for Daniel Jones, who again for the umpteenth time he got a two year contract, he can get a four year contract, and so how do you evaluate this guy? How do you give him a fair chance? I mean, they we that was the conversation like going into like this off season, right? Did they see enough to evaluate him because they weren't protecting him? But like now they're not even giving the guy a shot with this line, well, and you, and you almost you, you almost. You know, if you'd like one of those court, if you end up being so bad that you have a top five pick or top three pick, um, do you pick the quarterback right now? If you like, if you think Cal Cal Williams is the, better than anything you're going to see next year, um, you know, or, or whoever uh, is better than anything you're going to see next year, do you do it right now and you don't worry about it? You say, hey, you know, we'll, we have to play Daniel Jones next season, but it, it doesn't really have that much impact on the salary cap because you know rookie quarterbacks even rookie quarterbacks i think count like six seven million against the cap in that first year with it you know with the bonuses and stuff even your first round pick um and if you're not a first round pick you know do do they do they go pick a quarterback and say hey you know what we're going to accelerate looking for our next quarterback right now we'll let daniel jones start next year but we'll let this guy watch and learn you know that's that especially after he's going to get hit so much uh, that's got to be on the table, I think. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's similar to what the Eagles did with Carson Wentz and Jalen hurts. Right. And so, um, yeah, I look, I mean like the, like Daniel Jones's future here, I know he just signed the contract, but again, it's a two year, two year deal. Brian Dable is, is entering a situation where he's going to be on the hot seat entering next year. Like he's going to be like, that's if this keeps up, I don't think they're barring something crazy, he's going to get fired at the end of this year. But one thing to remember about Dable in the hot seat is Joe judges buyout. He got a five-year contract. So did Dable. So did Pat Shermer before, um, before Joe judge, uh, Joe judges buyout. The final year is next year. So say they fire Dable after 2024, they would be paying Dable's buyout obviously. And then the new coach, they did last year, they were paying three coaches. They were paying the final year of Pat Shermer's buyout because he got hired in 2018, which is 18, 19, 21. So yeah, 2022, they were paying three coaches. They were paying Dable, Joe Judge, and Pat Shermer. Now, obviously, it's offset by money they're making elsewhere or whatever. But uh, point being, um, I don't think they're going to go to – I don't think John Mara has the stomach to go to and out with a fourth straight coach, McAdoo, Shermer, uh, Judge, and Dable. I But look, the guy made the playoffs last year. I think he gets the benefit of the doubt. But – um, this team just hasn't shown the ability to take the next step. I get that injuries are part of it. They haven't shown the ability to beat good teams. And not only can they have they not beaten good teams, they're getting demolished. I mean, it, it's it's almost it's almost unfathomable. Outside of the second half in Arizona, the Giants in nine halves have been outscored one forty five to thirty one. <laughs> what? What is that? Like <laughs> that's that's. that's... You know, it's it takes away the well. They played good teams because they didn't they they didn't play good teams. They they got steamrolled by good teams. They they weren't in the games. They weren't competitive. They didn't uh, show up against. They they barely yeah. played because they didn't show up. I, I mean, you could make an argument. Well, they were only down seventeen to ten to the Dolphins at halftime, but that score, you know, the, 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 that game that game to me, you can keep score by the stats five twenty four to two sixty eight. The Giants have gone over 300 yards just once all season. They've been under 200 yards twice, uh, over 250 just twice. Their uh, offense is broken. I mean, and, broken, and the, and the defense is not good. I mean, you know, was, this was supposed to be a better defense in in Wink Martindale's second season. Um, you know, Kayvon shown shown flashes, but his his. PFF grades are, are way down because they, they've really graded him hard on the run. Like he's, they're, 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 you know, he doesn't have a lot of tackles. He's got four sacks. He's had four in the last three games, I guess. Um, but, you know, Aziz is hurt again. Um, you know, they, they got the takeaways. And, I, you know, there are players on defense you, you look at. I think Deontay Banks has played very well for a rookie. Um, O'Karaki has been hot and cold. You know, he has he he flashes sometimes too. Uh, but there's just been no consistency. It's been the defense has been okay at times, but not, you know, Wink Martindale's not gonna hang his hat on. Oh, my defense is okay. 
<laughs> you know, that's not what he was brought in here to have an okay defense. Yeah, and in the long lines of banks, he had a 73-5 coverage grade in, in, in um Miami. That's his best so far. He played a really good game, 73-2 overall defensive grade. He gave um, up three catches for like 15 yards, which against Jalen Waddle, which yeah, which was pretty good. Five targets, three catches, 15 yards. And so uh, just our quick discuss, you know, we, we can wrap this up in a, in, a, in a bit, but I did want to touch on, um, and especially because this is really impacting the defense, the, the NFL's trade deadline is is three weeks from today uh, on Halloween at four o'clock. Um, the Giants have three games between now and then. Um, they will either be one and seven, two and six, uh, three and five or four and four. Obviously, if they're if they're four and four, they're probably not going to be sellers. Uh, if they're three and five, I don't know. Uh, but if they're two and six or one and seven, they Joe Shane should be looking to sell. And the guys to look for, uh, I think, would be Leonard Williams, Adoree Jackson, and Xavier McKinney. Uh, and just real quick, I, I wrote down this for the morning. I mean, Barkley, Saquon Barkley, he's hurt, right? And no one's gonna when, if he unless he shows up these next three weeks, looks totally healthy and and plays outstanding, and then they still lose, like, then I guess maybe, but, like, those combinations of things are not happening. Like, no one's trading for him. Um, but those other guys, I think, are really interesting. McKinney, especially if they decide they don't want to pay him. He's got a manageable contract, rookie deal, the last year that a team could take on. The issue with the Leonard Williams and, and, and Adoree Jackson is their salaries. I mean, Leonard Williams got an $18 million salary. Adoree Jackson, I think, 11 So the Giants would probably have to eat some of that in order to get anything substantial in return. But, um, yeah, I mean, they could be looking at a situation where this defense takes a blow or two from from the trade deadline, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, you, you could add it like a guy like Ashawn Robinson in there. Um, you know, I don't think he's, he's a second tier guy, but you know, guys like that are certainly, uh, certainly fair game in terms of if you get a seventh round pick for him, you would, you would take it in a heartbeat. Um, if you're, if you're out of it, but you know, you mentioned that the, the prominent guys in there, you know, I don't know who would, who would want anybody on their offense right now. Yeah, no, I mean that those would be the guys and and the 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 thing with McKinney is you could say, oh, you know, let him sign in free agency elsewhere and then you can get a comp pick for him. Well, the comp pick's not showing up till 2025. That's how that works. You trade him now, um, and you get something for him next year because Joe Shane's in a situation where he needs to win next year. They need to, to get some players in here that can help them immediately, not wait till 2025 with a comp pick. Um, you know, obviously Leonard Williams is gonna be 30 next year and Dory Jackson, I think, will be 29 in mid-September next year. So those are guys. And then they they just drafted Banks, right? So they think he can be their number one corner. I think they're ready to move on from Leonard Williams and Dory Jackson at the end of this year. It was just a matter of like, look, you know, they were going maybe not all in per se, but like you can keep keeping these guys around because they're trying to win now. Uh, but if they're not winning now, what's what's the point in having them around? Um but yeah, um, that 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 that's something that could happen. It's, I mean, it's three weeks away, but keep an eye on it, I guess. In turn, in turn, not to not to put a uh, not to put a sad face on anything we've said here today, but you know, if those things start happening, then there's a good chance the Giants are going to be even worse. But I will but, say, um, but but that's but you know that's okay because you you got to you got to start looking at some young guys. And see what you got for sure. Yeah, and then and then that's a situation where you're not firing the coach if you do that either. And then I, you know, again, I don't think they're firing him. I, I wrote coming out of the game that the honeymoon's over for Dable. It's over, and it's shocking how quickly it ended. Right? Um, you know, for for John Merritt to say after the the Vikings playoff when we're back, and what have they done since? They got their brains beat in by the Eagles. And then they come out this year and gotten gotten their brains beaten in nine of ten halves. And other than the one half, good half, they played really good half, obviously historically good half uh, against Arizona, which is a they're a bad team. The Cardinals are bad. Okay, so like they they've played better than expected, but they're bad. And so um, yeah, they've done they've done nothing since he said <laughs> we're back. Uh, what they are back is they're back to being a joke right now. And they're like one of the worst teams in the NFL. Now, it, things balance out. 
Um, they're not going to play teams this hard all year. And I think you had a, before we came on, what was the stat that you saw about the teams they've played so far? Obviously they're good teams. Everyone knows that. Yeah, The ESPN rankings, after they played the Bills, they will have played in their first six games, they will have played five of the top eight in the most recent ESPN rankings that came out yesterday or today. They came out today. Five. So, so the Bills, the, the Niners are number one. Um, the Dolphins are four, I think. Uh, the Cowboys are seven. The Seahawks are eight. And the Bills are in there somewhere, but they're they're all in the top eight, five of the first six opponents. I mean, the so, schedule was gruesome for them early on. The Giants, and, you, and then you factor in the loss of your two best offensive players, and it it really has been a perfect storm for them. But and so it has been a perfect storm, and you could say, "Hey, so much has gone wrong," but the fact that they've been beaten so handily makes it inexcusable. It does. Um, I mean, yeah. So the the Bills lost by five points to the Jaguars in London. Um, but I think it's worth noting that, that, that I don't know that's good for the Giants. <laughs> well, the Jaguar, I mean, like, I think that the result's a little deceiving. The Jaguars had played, that was their second straight game in London. So they were already over there. They didn't have to deal with the acclimation of going over. Uh, I mean, I guess the whole thing about them being used to it or whatever was is, but but I think the bigger advantage is that they had been there. They had been in London from the previous week, so that whereas the Bills were just coming in that week, so a little They're bit. A pretty team. <laughs> What's that? The Jags are a pretty good team too. Yeah, so a little deceptive there, I think. And the Bills are obviously super dangerous, and you mentioned it. Um, you know, Vaughn Miller, uh, Leonard Floyd, uh, you know, Leonard Floyd, the guy who ended Aaron Rodgers' season now. He did that, you know. He he beat a he beat an offensive lineman who was not playing well in Dwayne Brown on that play. But um, but yeah, look, I mean, when you look at Pat, let's just look at the pass rush ratings of these teams. So the PFF pass rush ratings right now, Niners are one. Obviously, they they killed the Giants. Cowboys are two. They destroyed the Giants too as well. Uh, Seahawks are five. I mean, probably a lot of these numbers have to do with the fact they play the Giants. <laughs> the Dolphins are six. Certainly that Seahawks one. <laughs> yeah, and the Dolphins are six. Of course, then we all know the Eagles are really good. They're seven. They're coming up for the Giants. And the Bills are ninth. The Bills who have not played the Giants are are, are ninth in PFF's pass rush ratings. So there you go. They have a really good pass rush. And that's that's going to cause problems for a team that is, okay, the Giants are the worst pass blocking team in the league by, like, four percentage points in these great in this grade system. Um, and it's just one of many things that they're like near the very bottom of the league. in. I mean, overall they're the worst team in the league right now, according to PFF PFF has, has them with an overall grade of 51, six, the Broncos are at 60.5. They're by far the worst team in the league on here. Um, granted the, the, the Panthers have zero wins, whereas the giants are there. The giants are in, in pretty dubious company here. Well, obviously the Pats, but the, you know one and four. The Vikings one and four. The Broncos one and four. Bears and Cardinals also one and four. Right down there at the bottom of the Giants. So, um, yeah, I mean we're basically at the one third ish mark of the season, right? Um, just yep. short of it. Just short yep. of it. Yep. Um, next and, week will be eighteen weeks. The next week will be week six. Yeah, six games out of seventeen. So next, so next week they'll cross over the six out of seventeen. So yeah, but. Man, uh, I guess we'll just close with the with the with our uh, so our pick. Pick. I mean, like, folks. I sorry to be like, you know, there's not really much good to talk about with this team right now. We mentioned some of these encouraging young players, and and look, if the season keeps going poorly, that's what this is going to be. You know, we'll be talking about some of these young guys. It's not going to be a rehash of of the grim and the gruesome every week. Um, but that's where they're at right now. Um, a team that cannot play up to the level of playoff contenders. A team that. Um, it sure looks like they got awfully lucky last year on the way to nine and a half wins. Um, and a team that has really since the seven and two start, I, I'll go ahead and look up this number um, because I wrote it uh, while writing about Brian Dable, probably entering uh, next year on the hot seat. They started seven and two last year in the regular season. Since then, they're now three, nine and one. You take out the week 18 game in Philly because they didn't try. Uh because they didn't play starters three, eight and one over that, over any stretch of regular season games, even over two years. 
uh, year, you know, two seasons is 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 awful. And that's what Brian Dable is right now. In fact, I think Steve Plitty referred to that as Shermarian. <laughs> yeah, Macadoodley is Steve. And Macadoodley. The the way these things have you know gone down, um, especially. Um, so yeah. Anyway, so my pick for Sunday, I don't know. I'm just gonna just gonna completely wing it here. It's gonna be a complete disaster for the Giants again. I think they're gonna lose thirty-one to ten. All right, and I'm uh I'm gonna tell you everyone about my Halloween costume. I'm going something really scary this year. I'm gonna go out as a New York Giant. Uh, that's that should scare everybody. Uh, because they are a scary bad team. Um, anyway, uh, I, but I'm picking the Giants this week to lose thirty to ten. <laughs> it's the same uh, as I pick. You just minus one off of the. Uh... <laughs> I always wind up writing a different pick than I pick here. So I, I do. I'm going to write mine down. I, I, what did you say? Thirty-one to ten. 31 to 10. I'll probably write. I'll probably type up something different when we send our picks in. I'll put 30 to 10. Last week I typed something different and we actually had the same exact score. Uh, and we were both right. <laughs> well, look, I mean, it's been an, an interesting week to say the least for, for the, for the giants and everything that's happened uh, with more losing uh, Evan Neal's comments. And obviously his play didn't do He didn't do himself many favors with how he played uh, coming out of saying those things. And um, you know, I think that they should be maybe thankful. They're not on the road this or not at home rather this weekend that they are on the road or he should be. Uh, but I, I can't imagine, you know, it's easy to see how they're going to come home one and five and how all the problems that we're seeing right now are still going to be there because no one's swooping in to rescue this team and the and 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 this offense and this line, uh, especially because you know how doesn't look like Andrew Thomas is close. We talked to him on Friday and he just doesn't say so he doesn't know, doesn't know when he could be back. So uh, that is really derailing their season at the worst possible time as they're playing these really good teams with really good pass rushes. And yeah, that's where they're at. So we'll have a lot of analysis, obviously, of, of big picture stuff with the lean toward the big picture. We're not going to be writing about these the in game minutia here. Um, but, um, yeah, so nj.com slash giants as always. And thanks everybody for listening. Be sure to subscribe, rate, review, like, uh, all that stuff on all the places where you listen to podcasts. We will, uh, be back with you next week. Have a good week and, uh, maybe try to enjoy the Sunday night game in Buffalo. Uh, if you're going or I guess go to bar bill and get some wings. So (laughs) we will, uh, talk to you guys soon. Take care.